Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. Where David was a humble man before the Lord, this man, Absalom, was trying to promote himself. And so wherever he went, he'd have 50 guys out running in front of the chariot to make a big uh, hoorah about him coming and going and all these kinds of things. And so we really begin to find the pride of Absalom now concerning this. Now, maybe there's a lot of things that I believe can, can feed somebody's pride. I think success is a, is a very dangerous thing in people's lives. And by the way, I'm more, far more scared of my successes than I ever am of my failures. My successes can have a tendency to make me think I'm greater than I am. My failures, though, always drive me to my knees and make me cry out to God. So again, sometimes if you've been through things and maybe you failed in something, don't feel so bad about that because have you ever been successful in something you did and you start kind of strutting a little bit and kind of, yeah, I'm pretty cool. Well, again, um, I don't think it's wrong to maybe feel that you've accomplished something. But when you begin to think it's something that you did, Rather than something God did through you, I think, friends, that can be a real dangerous thing. Well, Absalom began to promote himself. Now, in fact, what we're going to find is Absalom eventually here, and I don't want to wreck the story for you, begins to overthrow his dad's kingdom. It was all based in his pride. In fact, it's noteworthy that probably Absalom would have had the throne in the first place had he just waited. But you see, he got ahead of God, and what drove him was his pride. We find that in just the first verse here of uh, chapter 15. Now Absalom would raise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And so it was whenever anyone asked or who had a lawsuit or a problem came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right. But there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Basically, he's saying here, my dad's too busy to take care of you. And, and there's really nobody that's been appointed as a judge to hear your case. And, you know, I know you've traveled all this way from Israel to come to the gate to have your, your case read. And by the way, friends, all the business uh, was done in the gate of the city. That's where That was basically their city hall, you might say. And so that's why this is where they went. And, um, and that was... The place where all the civic functions were provided there was in the gate of the city. And so he says here, they would come and they would seek a decision. They'd have a problem, lawsuit, something like that. Uh, and Absalom uh, would, would say, uh, my dad's too busy to see you. Now, was his dad really too busy to see him? No, not really. No doubt that David was probably uh, a little more difficult to find. But you see, the problem was that Absalom was intercepting all the people, making them believe that he was actually the hero of their, of their case. And David could care less about them and didn't have time for them. And so, moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I was made judge in the land. And everyone who had any suit or case could come to me and I'd give him justice. And so it was, whenever anyone came near to him to bow down to him, he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. Uh, you might say this guy was one of your first real politicians. He was out kissing the kids, you know. 
And in this manner, Absalom acted towards all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. It's interesting that the people went back and said, yeah, that rascal David didn't have time for me, but Absalom did. Boy, I wish he was king. Boy, we'd be able to get something done around here. And that's basically how Absalom did this. Now, it's interesting. You'll find this today in uh, interpersonal relationships and churches or families or whatever. Uh, It it basically uh, changes the formula a little bit. But you're going to find basically always the same uh, thing that uh, everybody else is a rat or he's a rat, but I'm a good guy. And so you come to me. And that's basically what uh, we find here. Well, verse 7 came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said to the king, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I vowed to the Lord. For your servant vowed a vow while I dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, if the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will indeed serve the Lord. Now, this is a pretense, a vow that we um, don't have any record of him making, uh, but it sounds spiritual. So if you're going to do something really dark and really evil, cloak it in God. And that's basically what he did. If you're going to do something really bad and nasty, you got to wrap it in another package. Uh, and so you'll, you'll usually find this to be the case, that people have got, a, got an edge to grind. They're going to wrap it in some kind of a religious garb because then that way that, that justifies their conscience, which is eating them alive, friends. No doubt Absalom's conscience was tearing him up doing this. And so he had to lie to cover what he was really doing. Now, the second thing is we remember it says, let me go back to Geshur in Syria. This is where he hid out after he killed his half-brother um, after uh, he had raped her sister, his sister. So, so the king said to him, verse 9, go in peace. And so he arose and went to Hebron. Now, Uh, This is the city in which David reigned over for seven years before he reigned over all of Israel. Uh, You might say it was the the first in the nation, you might say. And so Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And when Absalom sent the 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited, they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom went and sent for Atherfel, the, the Gelenite, David's counselor from the city, namely from Gilho, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom continually increased in number. So in other words, his well-thought-out scheme uh, was taking hold. Uh, again, he had turned the hearts of Israel against David and towards himself by saying, basically, my dad doesn't have time for you. I have time for you. And if I was king, I would listen to your case. And now he goes to Hebron on a pretense saying, well, I made a vow to the Lord. I need to go there, David. And so actually what he was doing, he was, he was separating himself so he could declare himself to be king. And this is exactly what he did. Verse 13. And a messenger came to David saying, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And David said to all of his servants who were there with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else we will not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Now, it is interesting here that he realized, David did, that Absalom probably was a lot more powerful 
than, than uh, he'd really in his heart wanted to believe. And that's probably why he gave up Jerusalem so quickly is because he realized and no doubt probably heard rumors and things that there were problems. And so when he heard that uh, he was saying uh, Absalom reigns in, in Hebron, well, it wasn't going to be long before he was going to come down to the capital in Jerusalem and try to overthrow and take over um, uh, David's uh, kingly reign. And so a pretty bad way for a Sundak, don't you think? Well, anyway, so he uh, made haste to depart. And uh, again, he was f- fearful uh, for the disaster that would not only come upon him, but upon Jerusalem. He didn't want uh, the city of Jerusalem to turn into a bloodbath. And, and David, no doubt, could have held up in Jerusalem for a long time, but it would have been a very long battle. And uh, no doubt, David probably felt, again, very bad for this uh, past behavior with Bathsheba and the other things that had gone on. And so I, I believe that this is why um, he may have felt that maybe, well, God has turned his face from me, and I'm just going to leave and run away. And so basically, David flees now for his life. In verse 15, it says, And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all of his household after him. But the king left ten women concubines to keep the house. I might be running for my life, but I want a clean house when I come back. King went out with all the people after him. And stopped at the outskirts of the city. Then all his servants passed before him. All the Chethrites and the Pelelites and the Gigertodites and all these guys. 600 men whom he had followed him from Gath uh, passed before the king. Now these are his, you might say his lifelong buddies that were committed to him. Uh, They no doubt had seen how God had protected David. And we remember that most of these people came from those that were in debt and running from somebody. And they rallied around David and they became, you might say, his 600 mighty men. David originally started off with 400 and then that number increased by another 200. So he had 600 and they were from all these different uh, tribes and uh, or maybe I should say these different groups of people. And the king said to Atali, the Gittite, and remain, uh, uh, he said, are you... Uh, are you going with us as well? Return and remain in the, uh, with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own uh, place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today since I go and I don't even know where? Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Atali said, answered the king and said, as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether death or life, even there your servant will also be. Now, you actually find here a real friend. You know, it's often been said, a real friend walks in when everybody else walks out. And so certainly you find a David running for his life. He's got these guys with him. Uh, uh, He was in exile, probably, as we find here, from Gath, uh, one of the Philistine cities, and uh, probably did something wrong and aligned himself with David. And when he heard David was in trouble, he came to him and sought him out to find him, to say, hey, listen, David, I'm on your side. Whatever goes down here, uh, I'm going to be with you. So David said to him, go and cross over. And then uh, I tell you, said, uh, and all of his men... Uh, all the little ones who were with him crossed over, and they crossed over the Jordan and uh, or, or over the the river there. And so it says, "On all the country wept with a loud voice, 
and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron, and uh, the people crossed over towards uh, the way of the wilderness. And so uh, the brook Kidron is right there at the base of, of uh, the city of Jerusalem. And so we'll find here where David goes when he goes from there. There was Zadok also, and all the Levites were with him, bringing the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they sat down the Ark of uh, the Covenant of God, and Abathar went uh, up went up until all the people had finished crossing over uh, from the city. So you, you find David's group of people, those that were loyal to David, and there wasn't very many of them, crossing over the Kidron uh, on their fleeing to get away from Absalom for fear for his life. Because David knew that Absalom would kill him because uh, any son that would do this at this level uh, was uh, definitely would have not stopped at anything. So verse 25, it says, So the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. So the priest brought the ark with him. <laughs> You're going, we're going too. Well, the problem is, is that just as the children of Israel, who had forsaken their God earlier, when they were having a battle, and we remember they had actually brought the ark of the covenant into battle, and um, uh, we remember the Philistines captured it. Um, the Ark of the Covenant was never an article of warfare. It was that place in which God would meet the people. And so they tried to use it as a rabbit's foot, you might say. Well, we got the Ark of the Covenant, and so this magic thing's going to protect us. Well, they brought it into the camp of Israel, and uh, we remember that um, Samuel was establishing his, you might say, his uh, representation in the country. We remember that when Eli heard that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured in battle, as they used, again, the Ark of the Covenant, brought it and, and, and took it into the battlefield, that um, uh, Eli fell off the chair backwards and broke his neck and he died. He was, the Bible said he was a kind of a chubby old guy and, and he, he died. Well, um, we remember that when it went into the land of the Philistines, it did all kind of havoc over there until finally they sent it back. Well, uh, anyway, he says... The king said to Zadok, carry the ark of God back into the city. And if I find favor in the eyes of God, he will bring me back and show me both it and his habitation. So David recognized that the ark was not God and the ark was not a magic box. That the ark of the covenant was a thing that which God used to, to uh, minister through the priests uh, to represent God and God to the people. And uh, David recognized that God was God and he wasn't confined to a particular object. Now, a lot of times we find people believe in things to protect them. Different religions have sacred undergarments that they wear to protect them. We, we find that, that many years ago, uh, many of the Catholics would glue plastic Jesuses to the dashboard of their car. Uh, we find sometimes Christians carrying around rabbit's foots or, or uh, uh, we don't like the number 13 or, or uh, don't walk under a ladder or, you know, oh, don't, you broke a mirror in the house. That's bad luck. You know, oh, don't open an umbrella in the house. You know, all these kinds of superstitions that people have. Well, we realize that, you know, I'm not protected or, or cursed because I open an umbrella in a house or I wear certain kinds of clothes or I don't wear certain kind of clothes. I'm protected because God is God. And this is the thing that David recognized, saying, my relationship with God is not tied to a box. My relationship with God is because God's God. Now, one of the things that we find here, interestingly enough, in all the things that David went through, and though his faith was stretched, and though he went through, through so many different things, nevertheless, David's relationship with God always remained intact. 
And though sometimes he'd go through things and he'd wonder and doubt God, and as you read some of the Psalms, and you'll find some of the Psalms that start out, and David is angry and he goes, God, break their teeth out. But then towards the end of the Psalm, he's saying, God, be merciful to them and me. And, and, and he recognized that as he began to pray it through, he recognized that, that it was a relationship with God again. And so he told the priest, go take the ark back. You know, I think it's a nice gesture. You brought it out here with us. You're trying to take it with us, but again, take it back. Verse 26, but if he says, I have no delight in you, speaking of God. In other words, David's saying here, if I've really offended God to the point of him not wanting me anymore, then let him do to me as seems good to him. In other words, David said, no matter what, uh, I'm, I'm going to trust God. Now, this is a, a remark that we find very similar to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Years later, as they were in the fiery furnace, or, or about ready to be thrown in the fiery furnace, we remember that uh, they made the statue out in the, in the, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he had this dream of this layered thing, and, and we remember this statue, and, and you know, uh, Daniel said, you know, you, Nebuchadnezzar, the head of gold, but your empire is going to be replaced by the shoulders of silver, and then your, that empire uh, is going to be replaced by the uh, stomach of brass, the Grecian empire, and then the next government will be the legs of iron, that will be the Roman, and, and then the last world governing empire will be a revamp of the old the feet of iron and clay well so uh the rest of that dream a lot of people don't talk about it but they saw a huge stone roll out of the mountains and hit the statue and bust it all into powder well um and that rock is christ in his kingdom which will never end well so nebuchadnezzar gets an idea I'm not going to make an image like I saw in my dream. I'm going to make the image not in layers. I'm going to make it all gold. And I'm not going to put it near any mountains where any rocks are going to be rolling out of the hills and smacking my little statue. So I'm going to put it out in the plain. And then I'm going to tell everybody if they don't bow down and worship this thing, they're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And we remember this is the story that uh, how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got there. And, and the king gave them... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar gave him several opportunities to bow down and worship the statue and they wouldn't do it. And he says, is your God able to save you from the fiery furnace? And they said this, and this is the remark that's very similar to what David said, whether our God saves us from the fiery furnace or not, we're not going to worship your dumb statue. (laughs) The king turned rage. He said, heat the furnace up seven times harder than it's ever been. And remember, the Bible says that as the guys were throwing a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the guards that were throwing them in. And that's when, Shad, uh, that's when uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, I thought we threw three in there. And there's a four like under the Son of Man walking around. My question always has been, how did he know what the Son of Man looked like? Or was that because of the many dreams that he had seen God and, sell, and still he was in rebellion to God. These are just things, things that make you go, hmm. But anyway. So David says, whether the Lord brings me back or not, he can do whatever seems good to him. And the king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer or a prophet? Return to the city in peace, you and your two sons with you. And Amahizah, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abathar, and see, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until the word comes to you uh, to inform me. So he's saying, basically, when you get a prophecy from God, you come and tell me what that is. Now, friends, I I think David here is, is fairly wise in this. You know, sometimes if you don't know what to do, you wait on the Lord, 
And that's when God will begin to work. You know, um, you know, it's like somebody that says, well, you know, I, I waited for the Lord for 10 minutes and he didn't do what I wanted, so I made my decision myself. Well, I'll tell you, there's nothing that will get you into trouble any faster than that. You know, the Bible says, wait upon the Lord. Those that do will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And, I, and how important it is to wait on the Lord because we get in a hurry. I, I, something i got to remember is that God is not on my time schedule. <laughs> now, I think that God should be on daylight savings time. But, you know, God has a way of accomplishing not only what he wants to do in your life on his schedule, but in the lives of others. And remember, I know this is hard, but it's not about you or me. It's about him. And friends, that's a hard thing. And, you know, sometimes when I get into Mike, I start figuring, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to run here and I'm going to run there. And I'm going to, I got all figured out what I'm going to do. And God says, do you know, I know that situation in your life. And I'll do something to minister to that situation. But God, you're not moving fast enough. Again, are you on daily? Say, what, what is this? Are you on Greenwich Mean Time? What are you doing? And oftentimes we look and we get impatient with God. And so we say, well, God didn't do anything. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I'm going to deal with it. David says, I'll wait in the plane. Until I hear from the Lord from you, what you have for me. You know, again, God's, got a, God's a good God. God knows you. God knows you inside and out. And he knows all the little intricacies about you. And just like we, every one of us look different, do you know that all the circumstances and situations in your life are all individually different, one person to the next. And that's why one shoe don't fit all. And friends, if you've ever tried that, you know how miserable it is. Again, we've talked about this before. I don't know if you ever tried to wear somebody else's shoes. That is a painful experience, especially if the shoe's been worn for a while. Because as that shoe stretches, it matches the foot of the person who is wearing it. But you know what? Everybody's little bunions and everybody's little toes and everybody's little, little joints and things are all in a different place. And I'll tell you something. Sometimes wearing a, somebody else's shoe is more painful than maybe wearing a pair of brand new ones. People say, Mike, what are you doing wearing somebody else's shoes? I shared that story before. I down at the Colorado River, water raises and lowers uh, depending on the demand on electricity, and so they'll let more water go through the gates, and so the water will raise up. Well, we had all of our stuff on the beach there. Well, the water came up and washed everything down, and I lost one of my shoes because it floated away. I found one, but I couldn't find the other one. But because the water came up, a lot of other people's stuff floated off too, and so I found the right side. But it was not my shoe. So I put it on with my shoe, uh, my little flapper on one side, and, and, and not one of those things in the 20s. It was one of the things where you put your toe between. Anyway, and, and, I, and I put the other one on, and I tried walking. And, and, and oh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's miserable. Well, well, again, God's time, God's purpose for you is for you. And so David says, I'll wait. I'll wait until I hear from you. Therefore, Zadok in Abathar, verse 29, carried the ark back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. So David went up to the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went by. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. Now, again, we find a picture type of Christ. We remember that Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives the night before uh, he was crucified and wept for us. 
And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time.